Welcome to Dream Business Radio, the place to create your dream business now. Get ready for some inspiration, some encouragement, some proven business building strategies, and a couple of new ideas that you haven't even thought of. It's time to leave slow and steady as she goes to the other entrepreneurs, because this program is all about speed and fast results. And now, broadcasting from his floating home somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean, the dream business coach himself, Jim Palmer. Good afternoon, everybody. This is Captain Jim Palmer, and I am the Dream Business Coach. I have a fantastic uh, guest today, Bob Glazer. He is the founder and CEO of Global Performance Marketing Agency Acceleration Partners, which has received numerous industry and company culture awards from Glassdoor, Ad Age, Entrepreneur, and Inc. Magazine. Bob is the author of the international bestseller, Performance Partnerships, and is currently celebrating the release of his brand new book, Elevate. Bob is a regular contributor for Entrepreneur, Forbes, and Inc., just to name a few. And his inspirational Friday Forward posts are read by 100,000 leaders around the world each week. Bob is an inspiring thought leader and sought-after international speaker on subjects like business growth, performance marketing, culture, and capacity building. We're going to really go, hopefully do a deep dive on the whole area of affiliate marketing. But Bob, how are you doing today? I'm good, James. Thanks for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. You know, I deal with a lot of, because um, I'm, I'm from the online world, although I started a, a regular business in, back in uh, 2001, but, you know, I've made, made kind of made my mark in the online world, and um, I'm really curious to dive into affiliate marketing. It seemed to be really big, you know, like maybe uh, five to eight years ago, and I'm sure there's people that are still doing gangbusters, but how did you get into that that's kind of that's niche? Uh, probably, probably a little bit by accident. So I... I actually first learned the world as a publisher because I had created a little newsletter and a website that was based on product reviews. I was the type of person who always, you know, read consumer reports and figured out what to buy. You know, this was before kind of the internet was big on research and, and then people would like ask me all the time and I was running this kind of free business. So I decided I'd put all my thinking in a newsletter or a blog and I learned how to uh, monetize through Amazon. Um, and then when I started, Acceleration Partners, we were really focused on growth consulting um, for consumer-oriented companies and realized that kind of customer acquisition was, was really key. And, and within that, you know, really got to understand and, and help some companies build affiliate programs on the flip side and said, this is really a great way to share risk, uh, performance only. Um, and and I, you know, it's funny, and I talked about this in the book, I think this was always true, that it's always been an amazing channel. It just got hijacked by some people, by some people where, you know, I think the marketers and the publishers were, were smarter than the brands and they kind of took advantage of, of those relationships and that were supposed to be performance based and figured out a way to make sure that they, they would win at the expense of the advertiser. So we've moved um, really from that Gen 1 kind of Wild West to Gen 2 into Gen 3, where we're back to the notion of, of a more performance oriented partnerships, but there's just different different rules now and a little more transparency and, and really trying to make it like what it was meant to be, which was a true risk share between the advertiser and the publisher. So in the early days, I, you know, created an ebook before I started writing real books and my, my initial um, online company, No Hassle Newsletters, I offered an affiliate commission to people who promoted it and things like that. And then 
I remember seeing some of the real big dogs in the online world. You used to call it the posse or something like that. There'd always be like five or six of them. Every time each one of them came out with a launch, it's what all you would see online. Yeah. And so, and the, you mentioned like Amazon and things like that. So if somebody's promoting um, some Amazon products, either they build a website where, you know, my current deals, I got to look for some new hearing aids because they don't last yeah. long in the boat. And now, you know, I keep getting all these ads and stuff. So those are people who aren't necessarily uh, hearing aid distributors, but they're recommending and doing reviews. And then the links are affiliate links, correct? Yeah. So the internet basically breaks down into uh, publishers and, um, and, and advertisers, you know, people who are selling things and people who have content and audience. And they don't tend to be one and the same. So this is a great way for them to get together. So someone, you know, does a mattress review site and figures out how to, how to rank number one for mattress reviews. And they don't sell mattresses, but then all the mattress companies, you know, are really interested in, in being connected to the people on the, on the mattress review site. So that's the, uh, you know, that's basically the premise of it is that I think you have people that are good at marketing and getting audience online. And you have people that, you know, have, have products to sell and, they're not, they're not necessarily one and the same. And this is, this is a way for them to kind of, to, to join up and, and get together. When you, Bob, when you started Acceleration Partners, what, what was your, what was the concept back then? Was it to do just what you're talking about now? Did you, did you get really good at that? And then you, people started wanting you to teach them or? Uh, no, sort of the opposite uh, in that we, we, uh, I was doing that actually in a separate business. We were focused on on helping businesses grow quickly. So even in the very early days, some of that was strategy and fundraising. Um, but 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 then what we realized is again is acquisition. Like getting what what makes a business a consumer business successful is is ultimately not actually sadly if they have the best product or service. It's who <laughs> who can get them. You know how do you get people to that product or service at at at, at um, a cost-effective nature. There's some great products and services out there that no one knows about. And there's maybe some mediocre ones that have found a great way to get clients cost-effectively that are, that are doing well. I mean, ideally, you would, have, you would have the combination. So, you know, what you want to do is avoid win-lose channels where you spend a ton of money and it works or, or doesn't work. So the, the affiliate model or the partner model as it's been able to evolve to be called or performance partnerships as we talk about it is is just aligning that and saying, hey, you know, if you're if you're looking for podcast guests on your show and you determine that you know they're worth a certain amount to you, you know, rather than hiring someone on your team to do that, you could you could you could outsource that to a group of people who um, could send you guests. Right, right. Um, don't worry about your dog there; <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. You know, in um, in your book. Okay. It's all right. This is really my, my dog occasionally barks and I don't, so it's just the real world we live in. Um, so in your book, um, performance partnerships, I was um, looking in the um, generation two section, you have a, a section called conflicts and complacency. What do you mean by that? Yeah. So one of the things that happened in the affiliate industry that did not happen in other industries is that people went to uh, affiliate networks that that provided both the platform and the managed service. So this would be equivalent of going to Google and, and having them be your paid search vendor, but also hiring them to be your agency or going to Facebook and say, hey, we want, we want to buy social ads from you, but will you also be our agency? Now, we understand that if we went to Google or to Facebook and asked them those things, they would encourage us to buy more clicks and buy more social ads and that they wouldn't be as focused on ROI. They'd be as, because 
they're in charge of selling. That's why there's typically been, you know, this in-house or agency dynamic. But in the affiliate space, the way it evolved was, because I don't think people realized it, there were these networks that did everything and people went to them and then said, here, run my program for me. But those networks represented both publishers and affiliates. It was kind of like being a dual agent in real estate where you represent the seller, but you actually, uh, uh, you know, you represent the buyer, but you actually get paid more if they pay more, <laughs> right? Like, and that's why people are careful about dual agency in real estate, but that same dynamic was going on affiliate networks because people didn't understand attribution. So they assumed that every sale was a good sale in the affiliate space and anything that the affiliate channel claimed revenue for was incremental. Well, people were really starting to realizing that there was a lot of different paid channels and affiliate was one of them. And that, yeah, the people who worked in the channel's goal was to maximize the channel, but that might not have actually been providing as much value as they, real value to their business as they perceived that it did. Got it. Bob, what are performance partnerships? How do they, and how do you help uh, your clients uh, grow their brands? Yeah. So, so, you know, affiliate has the name has a lot, some, some legacy uh, to it in terms of some of those gen one and gen two practices. You know, the other thing is that a lot of affiliate stuff is associated with um, list swaps or, or, these JV marketing things where I email your list and you get 50% of some info product and, and right. otherwise or lead gen, like that's so distant from what, what we do. So we really prefer the term, you know, the, now there's performance partnerships, partnership marketing, where, you know, these are, these are partners, but we're using technology to scale partnerships in a way that you could never do before, because instead of, you know, one-off deals with a business development team, we're using those networks or tracking platforms to, to scale those up. So, what we see is a performance partnership really has four qualities to it. You know, there is the CPA element, which was the hallmark of, of, of affiliate. Um, there's also, you know, full transparency, you know, what, uh, what, what's going on in the activities, which wasn't true 10 or 15 years ago. There were a lot of publishers who believed they had no right to tell their partner what they were doing. Um, as long as they got a sale, they shouldn't ask any questions. There's an ongoing relationship. So you don't treat these people as just transactions. You know, you work with them as if they were a real partner. Like if your tracking's down, you make good. If, if you know, if something happened, you guys figure it out. It's a, it's a real partnership. And then the last element is really this real-time tracking platform. So we think, you know, we like the term performance partnerships as a differentiation point because we think that that differs from a lot of affiliate programs that are still run the old way where, they're, they're not transparent. They're, they're transactional. Um, this to us, again, looks a little more like business development supported with technology. Um, if you think about, there's a lot of people talking about how the software platforms these days, some of them, which you can license instead of going to a traditional network. If you think about that as partner automation software, it's sort of the same equivalent to you had sales and Salesforce automation, you had marketing and marketing automation now you have kind of the, the birth of partnership automation software that's allowing companies to scale these partner programs. You know, you said um, in your answer there, I, I, and I certainly know those days, hey, if you mail your list, I'll mail mine, assuming the lists have something yeah. in common. But what if somebody's new or, and I don't even mean like only in business three months, but what if somebody's new to this arena? Because it seems to me like one of the uncomfortable things, at least it was for me, is asking, can, can you mail my list? Or if somebody asks me, can I mail yours? And it's like there's this expected thing in return. Is that still the common denominator if somebody's going to email their list or share something within their, their community or tribe, then it's going to be reciprocated? Or is there another way to 
Look no, I, I the that's a again that's a sub very specific subset of affiliate kind of the info product segment really different than what we do where it's a one on one. Most most of these things are not reciprocal because as I said before, you have two different groups. You have the person with content and the person with product, right? And and, and in that relationship, both of those people have audience and product, and then they're looking to sell it to each. They're also paying like 40 and 50% commissions. You know, if you think of like a retail commission, then it'd be something more like maybe a seven or a 10%. So I think everyone's rules in, 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 in the partnership marketing world are a little more kind of stated. Uh, it's not, it's not like an exchange thing. Like we work with some brands where they work with thousands of publishers promoting the brand, but like that no one's ever asked for the inverse. Who, so who, therefore, who does a good client, who, who is a good client for your company? Is it somebody who wants to, are you, do you in any way act like a broker? Do you have all these relationships? And if somebody comes to work with you, you can help leverage those or, or do you just teach them? Yeah, how? no, no, exactly. So we do for smaller company, we are really built for enterprise brands. We work with larger mm-hmm. brands. So for smaller companies, we do training and we help them get started and launch their program, usually to manage uh, in-house. Um, but, but for larger brands, we would help set up their program. We take it over, we build a team, we grow it. We work with a lot of global programs that are working out of different, different countries. So that's, that's, that's really, um, who we target. We're, we're, we're really geared towards the enterprise segment. And when you say enter, what do you mean by enterprise? Like companies doing 50 million plus online, like larger mid-sized businesses. Yeah. Okay. Um, but, but look, there's lots of businesses using, using the model. Our, our business just isn't, isn't built around those, right? I mean, a lot of, most companies that have a million or two online in sales have some sort of uh, affiliate program. And, uh, and, and, but, but mostly those programs are often not big enough to have a true kind of agency support. You, you may have someone working on it when in-house or kind of a contractor who can help with that. Great. Tell me about your new book. Is that in the same area or because I know you're, you know, you're a thought leader and, and do a lot of keynotes, things like that. What is that more of a leadership book or? Yeah. Elevate is, is a book about building capacity. So I always say like performance partnerships is, is what we do. Uh, you know, how we do it. We've, we've been a best place to work by numerous organizations consistently kind of one of the best uh, small medium businesses in the U.S. and and how we've done that is is really focusing on similarly similar strategy, but partnership with our employees, helping them get better, build their capacity. Um, I actually started this newsletter to my team about a forty about four or five years ago now, around just kind of improvement each week or some idea or story that could push them maybe to get a little better, challenge their assumptions. Everyone started forwarding it over the years. Uh, it kind of blew up to almost 100,000 people in 60 countries a couple of years later. Um, and then that le- it led me to write the book Elevate and, and, and think about, hey, what, what, what did I do? What was, what was the formula I sort of used in, in my life and we used for business and why this, this simple email like impacted so many people? And I came up with this concept of, of capacity building, both as a personal development, as a leadership strategy. And, and that turned into the book Elevate. So as you grew a successful company, is that, or do you go out and do uh, keynotes or? or- uh, yeah, I, I've been doing a lot of speaking on, on culture recently, particularly with the book. So I speak mostly on, on performance partnerships and then b- building kind of a great culture. And now more I'm speaking around this concept of, of capacity building to a lot of organizations. 
I was looking on your website, um, uh, accelerationpartners.com, and your blog, you had a, uh, a post in May called How to Overcome the Imposter Syndrome for Good. It's something yeah. that I help my, uh, my clients with also. I'd be curious your thoughts on that. Yeah, what's really interesting about imposter syndrome is that, you know, the, the people that have it are usually the most qualified. Um, you know, I even had a little bit last week. So I, I worked on this book for six months. I knew I, the launch of it. I worked on it for a couple of years. You know, I knew the, I knew I have, you know, these hundred thousand people who read it when I launched it, you know, people were buying it and thanking me and it was ranking on some lists. And I, you know, you kind of feel like, Oh geez, like why, why <laughs> am I about to be exposed here? Am I, you know, am I, do I really have anything worth saying? Am I not worthy? And, and, it, I think it's a very common thing for people as they kind of move up or to, to wonder, you know, whether, whether they belong in the room and, and actually the people that do that tend to more, you know, be the ones who are always working and questioning the person who, who got there just because of dumb luck is usually the one who's like, Oh yeah, well I'm really smart. And of course, you know, they, it, 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 it's funny is that, you know, in our company over the years and people who have expressed kind of having imposter syndrome, they are always like the highest performers that we have who, who feel like they don't belong or they're about to get like exposed that they don't belong. Whereas the people who don't have imposter syndrome, oftentimes, you know, they, they think much more highly of themselves than, than do others. It's so funny. You know, um, in, a, in a prior career before I started my own business, um, I helped start an association and there were it was in the musical instrument um, retail division. And um, there were people, I could tell instantly the people who bootstrapped and started with a single location. And I met this guy who had 54 locations throughout Texas, Oklahoma, et cetera. And he's the most humble guy. And there was a guy who took over his dad's business and he was right, the most right. arrogant. He thought, right, he, thought, he thought he was brilliant. He stepped into this thing and it's probably 20%. I know he's probably killing the business today. Is, yeah, exactly. But it, it's very interesting. I mean, it's so true. And it, that, I found the same thing that no matter how much success you've had, but the people who have more and more success, the, there is this feeling like I'm going to be found out. Like I never finished college. I mean, I've done pretty well for myself and people are paying me money for, for coaching and things like that. Well, geez, I've, you know, I'm challenged with the English language. Yeah. You know, sometimes that stuff runs through your head. I, I, I was really happy to see your blog. So imposter syndrome, I actually think is a, it, it, it's actually a good thing. Um, it, it, it means that you, you know, are constantly working. You don't think that you've made it or been anointed or, or otherwise. Yeah, I agree. Um, there was another blog post that caught my attention. The, the CPA, I think you addressed this earlier, but maybe we'll go a little deeper. The CPA cost per action, um, how that gives brands a little more control. Can you talk about that? Yeah, I mean, cost per action is really paying for an outcome, not an input. So instead of paying for an ad, you're, you're saying, hey, I, I agree that 8% of sales is a good price or you know, a, a qualified lead is worth this amount to me. Um, and so, so you're really tying it to the, or, you know, if I'm a, 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 you know, like a car sharing business, then, you know, and getting a new driver on my platform is worth a certain amount of money. So you're, you're, you're really not, uh, you're really tying that into the business value and, and, and instead of saying, oh, I'm paying per click or I'm paying for a slot or I'm paying for a billboard, you, you're, you're paying for things that are, are add value to your business. And that certainly takes the, um, the, the worry away about just, you know, pissing away your money. If it's, it's for an action, it's for a specific thing. So it should be pretty easy to track that way. 
Yes, exactly. So you, you set up the parameters. The thing about these relationships is you set up the parameters and then you just agree that you will pay that amount anytime you get that. So it's less of a budgeted channel and more of a, an ROI channel. So I, I'm, I, I could be wrong, Bob, and maybe this is uh, my own head trash, but I don't think I have any many enterprise type companies. When listen to my show, I, re- I deal much more in the smaller entrepreneurial world. If somebody's, somebody in my audience is listening to this right now, how can, how can they use the whole performance partnership model to, to scale their business? Kind of going on the smaller scale. If you think. Yeah, I mean, it's really the same thing. So you could, and we have a ton of free resources on our site and FAQs for people looking to understand this at accelerationpartners.com. But they, uh, they could sign up for a software platform. They could find one. And, you know, when they're doing these small partnerships, instead of doing them on a one-off basis, they can build a program and say, you know what? I have this program. You can sign up right here if you want to work with us. Um, you go in the system. You can pull banners or creatives. I'll set your rate. It takes care of your payment. So we've seen a lot of small businesses grow by um, picking one of these sophomore, software platforms. And instead of just kind of doing all of these one-off deals saying, hey, here's a, we have a really easy way for you to work with us. You just sign up here and, and get going. This is probably slightly off topic, but with all these new things like Bitcoin and all these other things, is that, is that complicate this whole thing or do you not get into that or do you not recommend um, Yeah, it doesn't, not really. I mean, Bitcoin's just how the, for us, that's just how the customer pays. So right. um, yeah, I mean, this is, you're talking about, uh, in, unless anyone's accepting Bitcoin, I, most brands don't because it's just not stable enough yeah. <laughs> as a currency. So that's not, we're not really seeing that as a, as an issue, but you, 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 whatever currency they accepted the payment in, you just figure out, you know, how it is, how it is you're going to pay it out. Your businesses, if they're that size, they're probably not taking online Bitcoins from, from people. Selling stuff. Right. That's, that's just something it's, it's, it seems above my pay grade, but I'm always curious. You sound like a smart guy. So that's your opinion. Yeah, on I, mean, that. I, I, I have my thoughts on it, but it's really, it's, it's really separate from, from the industry. And, and, I think that something can't, uh, I, I've read a lot of articles on this. I really try to study it and understand it. And, and fundamentally, something can't be a currency and an asset at the same time. Right. The, the hallmark of a currency is, is stability. Uh, and an asset is something you trade and grow, try to get capital appreciation on. Granted, people trade dollars and foreign currencies and all that stuff. It, Bitcoin will struggle to, to uh, the cryptocurrency and blockchain, I think will continue to have interesting applications, but I think Bitcoin will struggle to, to get adapted in the mainstream if it shifts 10% a day, because you just can't, as a business, you know, you can't, you know, shift your prices enough and, and there's some transparency uh, involved with that. I mean, a lot of people are, are getting hacked and all that stuff. So the technology behind it, it's all, it's all really interesting. But, I, but again, if you're a business, can you imagine if like the dollar moved 30% a day and trying to set your pricing and stuff like that? It just really wouldn't work. So we've got to decide whether we're treating it as a stock or we're treating it as a currency. You see a lot of people with their hair on fire more than we already do. <laughs> um, well, it's well, my quote before, what the, what the wise man in the beginning does in the beginning, the fool does at the end, right? I, I think a lot of people made a lot of money early as if they did with internet stocks and otherwise, and, and then it's usually was everyone is rushing in the end and doesn't even understand what they're buying that you're near the peak. Right. Well, it's been a fun interview. I I saw your, um, the opportunity to interview you come across my desk and I was like, yeah, I I haven't really talked 
about um, about this whole arena in quite a while, and you per- certainly put a different spin on it. It's, it's still alive and well, and actually doing doing sounds like doing very well in the um, in the space. Yeah, grid, so. it's different, right? So it's it's it, like everything it evolves, and if it didn't evolve, that wouldn't be that wouldn't be good. So. Yeah. Bob, how can people, uh, you mentioned a website where you, where you have some information. Why don't you give that? Um, sure. So, so if they're interested in learning more about uh, affiliate marketing, go to accelerationpartners.com. Uh, we've got a lot of one-on-one resources. You can download the first chapter of the book or get more information there. Um, if you're interested in anything else I do, the Friday Forward, my new book, uh, podcast, otherwise, that's all going to be at robertglazer.com. Well, I'm going to go over and get that Friday forward. That sounds pretty darn interesting. So you'll see my name <laughs> on your list pretty quick. Bob, Great. thank you so much. I really appreciate your time today. Right. Thanks, James. Hey, folks, that wraps up this special interview with Bob Glazer, the founder and CEO of Acceleration Partners. And you want to go get a copy of his book, Performance, Performance Partnerships, and also his, uh, his brand new book, Elevate. I'm Captain Jim Palmer, the Dream Business Coach. Until this time next week, another fantastic interview. You take good care. Now it's time to go implement what you've learned. Great ideas are nice, but results only happen through action and implementation. So stay focused. Kick all distractions to the curb. Sleep a little less if you have to. And create your dream business now so you too can live your dream lifestyle. To learn about building your dream business, join Jim's free Dream Business Facebook community at dreambizgroup.com. That's dreambizgroup.com. See you next week for more Dream Business Radio.